That's what I did. I, I turned the test in halfway done, failed it, obviously, and I walked out of that testing center and then I never went back to school. With over 4 million subscribers, Real Life Law is a powerhouse in YouTube education, answering the questions you never know you had about real life. Where the heck does an idea like that come from? How did it explode into such a powerful career? I am Alex, and this is Genesis. When you meet someone new and, and you start talking about work, and people ask you what do you do for a living, what at this point in your life, what are you answering? <laughs> That's a really, really good question. It kind of depends on the context, uh, to be completely honest. Sometimes when I'm in a uh, an Uber um, or, or a taxi or something and, and somebody asks me that question, sometimes I will tell the truth, but not the full truth, if that makes sense. So I'll, I'll say I'm an animator. Okay. Or I'll, I'll say like, I, I oh, you know, I, I, I animate videos because I've, I've been there before where I've said uh, my channel name and I've said what I do, and then they'll look it up and then they'll see how many subscribers it has and then they'll... Um, uh, the, the, the reactions can be strange sometimes. Um, so sometimes I'll, I'll just say like, if I'm in a hurry or a rush, I'll say I'm an animator. But if, if I have more time, I'll say that I, I do YouTube and uh, I make YouTube videos. So, so it kind of, it's, it's very, um, uh, situation based, I'd say. It depends on how much time you have. I'd say, yeah, probably it depends on how much time I have, because sometimes I, I don't mind and I don't mind talking about it, but sometimes I don't want to talk about it. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the very beginning. Where were you born? I was born in a little town called Santa Cruz in California. It's uh, just south of the uh, just south of San Francisco in the California Bay Area. How how was your childhood? What sort of kid were you? I uh, I don't know what kind of kid I was. I uh, I never really went to the principal's office or got in a lot of trouble. But uh, I, I moved around a lot. My family only stayed in California for a little bit. Uh, we ended up moving to Nevada for a few years, and uh, then uh, we ended up moving to Dallas when I was like like six, I think. Uh, we moved to Dallas and lived there pretty much for the most part ever since. But uh, I don't know. I don't I don't think I really got in too much trouble. Uh, pretty much. Kept, uh, kept my nose out of trouble and uh, went to school. Didn't really miss a whole lot of class, I'd say. Were you online already at this point in your life? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I was, I was a terminally online child. <laughs> How so? What sort of things were you doing? If you can say, of course. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, no, no, nothing, uh, nothing too crazy. <laughs> I think like my first uh, experiences online were probably with uh, this is going to sound so dorky, probably with like Xbox Live. <laughs> um, right. I really got into uh, Halo 2. Uh, and uh, when I was in middle school in particular, I would come home every single day and I would just get on Halo 2 and I'd play it all day and I would meet people from all over the world, literally from all over the world. Uh, I'd meet them on Xbox Live because, uh, you know, you, you would just play random games with people and then you would, uh, you know, join like custom games and custom lobbies with some of these friends you met online. And that was probably my first real experience with the Internet. But uh, were you consuming content in youtube was youtube a thing at this time i'm trying to remember what age hold there was this i think youtube first became a thing in 2006 yeah and that was when i was still in middle school when youtube first came out and uh i i definitely consumed youtube almost immediately i definitely have memories of being in middle school and certainly in freshman and sophomore year of high school so like this is 2007 2008 i definitely have pretty vivid memories of uh being on youtube at that time yeah and what sort of what sort of content were you consuming what, what was inspiring you back then Oh man, back then it was um, it was a lot of history videos and a lot of Vsauce. Hey Vsauce, Michael here. 
When something becomes part of the past, can it ever truly be experienced again? I loved consuming Vsauce uh, back in probably 2010, I would want to say. Yeah. This ever influenced the sort of things that you were interested in school or as a kid in general? Oh, yeah, definitely. All of that stuff, like early YouTube definitely had an effect on me as a kid and uh, definitely had an effect on what I was interested in. I was always a pretty big reader. I liked reading uh, lots of books on mostly nonfiction. Um, I, I never really read fictional stories. I, I always kind of read nonfiction stuff. And that goes back to like elementary school. And uh, the Internet definitely had a uh, had quite an effect on me uh, in that regard, too. I, I wonder how early in your life did you consider any experiment regarding making content yourself? Was that a thing that happened later or was that a thing that happened while you were a kid? Okay, funny story about that. I have a long history of attempting to make content on YouTube um, oh, specifically. Really? Yeah, and, and content on the internet in general. And it was only with real life lore that any of those attempts ever became successful. Long before that, I, I made several attempts. Going back to middle school, I had attempts at trying to make content online. Yeah. Okay, so what was the first one? What the heck did you try? Gosh, um... There's, there's just so many attempts. Uh, probably the first one I can remember in middle school, probably around eighth grade, I tried making uh, funny... Oh God, this is so cringe. I tried making <laughs> funny like prank videos. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, no, no good. Uh, I, I was in eighth grade and I I, pro I, I tried making some like kind of like prank compilation videos and those are probably still somewhere on YouTube uh, and I hope no one can ever find them. I don't even know how to find them and I hope no one else is able to find those. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really hope no one can find those. But uh, but if you can find them, uh, please send them my way. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see and <laughs> cringe at myself. But my first kind of endeavor into educational stuff was probably very early into college. Now, I don't know how many people know this, but JT, who runs a channel called Second Thought, and uh, my friend Andrew, who runs a channel called uh, Royal Ocean Film Society, which are all standard creators and all Nebula content creators at this point, we've all known each other since middle school. Wow. Yeah. So we've all been friends for a really long time, and uh, we all started our YouTube channels at the same time, our modern YouTube channels. We all attempted to make content all together, all three of us, for years before we ever made uh, our own channels that we're kind of known by on the internet now. On uh, Reddit specifically, I created a series of maps on a subreddit um, that's called r slash map porn, and uh, it's it's all about, it's a weird name, I know, but it's, it's all about creating a like really beautiful, interesting maps. And uh, I was a longtime subscriber on that subreddit and I decided to start making my own content. And my first viral hit was never on YouTube. It was on Reddit. I, uh, I created a map and I posted it. This was when I was in college. And uh, I remember it gained, uh, I don't know, it, it got like 8,000 upvotes or something like that on the map porn subreddit. And I thought it was huge. What, what was the map about? It was a map about, um, I, I poured through data. It took me weeks to create this map uh, while I was a full-time college student. But it was a uh, population visualization where I said 5% of the world population lives in this red area. And it was a very small part of Bangladesh. And then I said 5% of the world population also lives in this really huge area that was shaded in blue. And it was like all of Canada, a huge part of Africa. 
um, a, like a huge part of South America. And it was just saying like this, these areas have the same population, but one area is so much bigger than the other. That picture, I posted it on uh, on Imgur. And uh, yeah, it, it got up to like half a million views on Imgur and then like 8,000 upvotes on Reddit. And I thought that was huge, but I didn't make any money off of that. And I remember thinking like, you know, like, why am I posting something that could go viral on Imgur or Reddit and I don't make any money off of that when I could make something like that on YouTube and get paid for it? Huh. That's when the gear started clicking in my head that uh, maybe I should start taking this to, to YouTube instead of just Imgur and Reddit forums. And uh, so it was soon after that that I started Real Life Lore. It's interesting to me because that map, even though it's so early, exemplifies very well. The sort of thing that you do in real life lore to this day, like I can visualize it perfectly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before we head into the first years, I guess, or the first attempts at real life lore, I, I want to know where the name came from. So the name, like, I don't even understand exactly where the name came from myself, to be entirely honest. I know the moment it came into my head, though. I was driving to college. I, I was going to the University of North Texas in Denton. I, I lived with my parents, and uh, it took me about 45 minutes to drive to class. Um, so it was a long drive, and it, it always gave me plenty of time to think and to uh, kind of reflect on stuff. And so so before I started a channel called Real Life Lore, I created a uh, another channel on uh, on YouTube, and uh, that channel was called Imperial Texas, uh, which is a stupid name. <laughs> and uh, I created actually a couple videos that I published on that. And if, if you look up that channel and if you are able to find it, you can still watch those two videos. And they're very much real life lore videos. Before I knew how to do anything, I made everything in Microsoft Paint. Oh, God. I edited it in a like Windows Movie Maker. <laughs> Um, it's terrible. I, I don't know. Eventually, I decided to give up on that and give up on that name. And uh, there was a day I was driving to, to class and the name Real Life Lore just popped into my head. I, I, I don't know where it came from. It just popped into my head just completely randomly as I was driving to, to campus. And I thought, oh, that's a good name. And then I just kind of stuck with it. And that's literally all it was. Well, what was the first video you did there? Oh, gosh. Okay, this is also something that's like fairly cringe <laughs> <laughs> because the my first video doesn't exist. Uh, I've long since deleted this video. I don't know why I ever thought this was a good idea, but I'll explain some context for why I did it. And then I'll say what I did. At the time, I was studying a degree in international relations, and uh, that's what I got my bachelor's degree in. And uh, so when I was studying it, I was I was just surrounded by all this stuff in international relations. And this was in a about 2016, 2017, when um, the big news in international relations and everything going on was ISIS. And uh, I was taking a class on this and I was learning a lot about ISIS. And so I thought, you know, maybe if I made a video explaining what ISIS is, that would be that would be that would be good. That'd be a good video. Um, and I had no idea about YouTube's monetization policies or uh, monetization programs or anything. And I, I had no idea that this video would never see the light of day in the YouTube algorithm or be monetized. So I made a video about ISIS and it was like a basically like a 12 minute rant where I just started explaining what ISIS was. The audio quality was so bad on this video. I didn't know anything about creating videos at this point. I, uh, I recorded it on a really crappy 
Oh my gosh, what was this microphone called? It was a USB mic. It was a Blue Yeti. That's what it was. I borrowed it from my brother. I plugged it into my computer. My computer had really loud fans on it. And uh, the entire audio clip, you can hear this rumble, this like hum in the background. And that's from the computer. Oh God. (laughs) It's really, really bad. I recorded it all in the bedroom of my parents' house where I was living at the time. And uh, yeah, it, it just wasn't ever a good video. And uh, the first several videos I made from that point on all had terrible, terrible audio. Uh, but those videos are still up on uh, Real Life Lore. A lot of the ones that I made after that uh, that first ISIS video, and they all have terrible audio quality. How, how was the reception? Did you get any traction early on? Early on, no. Uh, I never gained any traction, and I was really excited to see my subscriber count double every so often. And by double, I mean going from like five to ten. Um, <laughs> I was like stoked to see gaining from five to ten, and then seeing ten go to twenty, and then twenty to forty. I was always so excited to see all that happen. But I didn't really know how to grow a grow a channel at that point. I was a full-time college student. I was also working part-time as a valet attendant at the airport by my house. Almost all the money that I was earning as a valet attendant, I was putting into the YouTube channel at that point. So I was probably wasting a lot of money on Facebook advertisements. Wow. I was publishing my videos to Facebook and then I would pay for Facebook to advertise that video. And uh, those were going nowhere. I didn't know what else to do. And I was saving up money to buy Adobe and uh, to, to afford my uh, my $50 a month Adobe Creator Suite fees. Yeah, it was, it was really crazy. But none of the early videos gained any traction. It was probably about six to eight months until I ever released a video that got any kind of traction whatsoever. And, and what video was that? It was a video about, uh, this was back when Game of Thrones was still popular and people liked it. This was in 2016. I forgot what season of Game of Thrones it was, but I was really into Game of Thrones at the time, and uh, I knew the new season was coming out. And so I thought, maybe if I made something that was loosely tied to Game of Thrones, but still kind of geography-based, maybe the YouTube algorithm would pick that up. And it turned out I was right, because I published a video that was about how um, the geography in Westeros in Game of Thrones was inspired by real life geography. And that video really took off. It was my first video that hit 500,000 views. It was also my first video that even got above 1,000 views. Wow. <laughs> but also my first video that got to 500,000. Yeah, it really took off. It It was right when Game of Thrones was coming out, so I guess I, it was strategic releasing it at that time. Yeah, I, I know, and I remember seeing... Uh, my AdSense for the first time, because that video enabled me to uh, qualify for the AdSense program for the first time. And it also shot me up from about 200 subscribers to about 10,000 subscribers almost overnight. It was it was wild. The first moment I realized this happening, I was a valet attendant and uh, I was seeing it happen while I was at work and I thought I was hallucinating. It was it was just so surreal. I'll never forget that night seeing that video go up to about I I think it hit 20,000 views that night. And uh yeah, it was it was just really, really special and really insane uh, seeing that happen. But but I, I applied for the AdSense program and I made about two hundred dollars off of that video. I thought that that was so great. I don't know. At the time, I kind of thought it was just going to be like beer money. Basically, every video I released after that were all duds and I, I never made any uh, subsequent hits for a really long time. So for a long time, I thought about two hundred dollars was about the only amount I was ever going to make out of it. And at the time, I was pretty happy with that. Oh, wow. After the valley that follows a viral video, how did you learn or recover from that? How did that lead into what you are today? Yeah, so so for a long time after that, I, I 
decided to kind of stick with the Game of Thrones stuff. So I released like two more videos that were still about Game of Thrones and uh, they didn't really go anywhere. And then I decided to kind of start going back to kind of some history stuff and some geography stuff. But for about three months or so after that, none of the videos came anywhere close to being the hit as that Game of Thrones video. So for a while, I kind of thought it was going to be kind of a one hit wonder sort of thing. And maybe that was going to be the only viral video I ever released. So meanwhile, I graduated with my international relations degree. I decided to go back to school to pursue a second bachelor's degree in economics. And uh, I was struggling with a class in calculus very hard in relation to this economics degree. And I released my second video that would go viral um, several months after the first. This whole time, I always just kind of stuck with it. And I don't really know why. Uh, I I guess it's just because I, I really believed in it. And I really, really thought that... I could make something out of this after I did one video that got big. I thought I could do a second one and I just kept doing it and I just kept doing it. And I I, I had effectively no free time this entire time because all my time was literally devoted to school, work and making YouTube videos. I really just kept pushing myself and just kept throwing myself into it. And eventually it paid off because uh, about I think it was three to four months after that first viral video, I released my first really, really, truly viral video. And this one was about the world map. And it was talking, the the title of the video was, I think it was something like why the world map you know is wrong or why like your perception of the world map is wrong. It was something like this, but it was an explanation of um, the uh, Mercator projection on world maps, which is the world map that most of us are really familiar with. It's it's that world map that uh, you see in every classroom. Everybody knows this map, but it really distorts uh, certain continents and certain countries. And uh, so I made a video explaining this and talking about it. And that video just exploded. I remember in the first week that video got 2 million views. And this was at a time when my subscriber count was only like about 20,000. So that changed everything. I remember going to my calculus class that I really, really struggled with. I was going in to take a test and I didn't know what I was doing. And I looked at my video right before going in on the YouTube app and I saw that it had 2 million views. And I went in and I was really struggling with this test and about an hour into it, I don't know, I I just had this thought that went through my head. um, Why am I sitting here really struggling with this calculus test that I'm really struggling with when I could just go back home and I, I could keep working at this momentum that I have now. That's what I did. I I turned the test in halfway done, failed it, obviously. And I walked out of that testing center and then I never went back to school. Wow. Um, Yeah, (laughs) that was, that was, yeah. (laughs) How's that for a university dropout story? Wow. That's like a movie moment right there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It kind of was, um, I, and at the time, it was it was kind of a gamble, I guess. Like I, I had no idea that real life lore was going to become the thing that it became, uh, you know, because that was when it only had about 20,000 subs. I released one video that got to 2 million views. But, you know, I, I just had a really good feeling with it. And uh, so so I left that classroom and I, I left that that campus and I literally have never been back. That was about five years ago. I, I've never gone back to school since that. And uh, so I left and I went home and uh, I just started throwing myself into full time YouTube mode. <laughs> and I will never forget the conversation I had with my parents about this because this Oof. was like really awkward. Yeah, I was going to ask about this because I know I'm familiar <laughs> with this conversation and this conversation is difficult. 
It was, yeah, it's, it's very difficult. Um, <laughs> so like I had a whole conversation with my parents about this and um, my parents were very generous and they were paying for my university. They had oh, saved no. up my entire life ever since I was born for over 20 years to pay for me to go to college. And uh, so then I, I sat down with them and I told them that I was dropping out and they did not like that. <laughs> and especially they didn't like it when I told them I was dropping out to make YouTube videos full time. Oh, God. Yeah. So um, I had to have this whole conversation with them over dinner and it was very tense. My dad specifically did not think I was making a good decision. And um, I said that I thought I was. And uh, I said that I didn't care that they thought that it was wrong and I was just going to keep doing it. And that was that. And so I, I just kept doing it. And thankfully, um, from then on, the next several videos I made were all viral hits. That first one, thankfully, turned out to not be just a one viral hit. It, it was like the next several videos I made after that were all viral, like, home runs and the the momentum just kept going and going and going um it was within just a month after that that i hit a hundred thousand subscribers and then um it was just a couple months after that i hit two hundred thousand, and it just kept going and going and you know after a while my dad finally came around to it uh but but it took a very long time for my dad specifically to come around to the idea that this was not something that i was i was gonna like drop out of college and it was a big mistake and i was gonna do it for maybe you know like a few months or a year and then go back to college this was like a long term thing. Now, five years later, my dad is definitely on my side about it. But yeah, at the time, it was it was really, really tense. And I didn't even know if I was really making the right decision or not. And uh, just luckily, it kind of panned out the way it did. Amazing. That was uh, five years ago. What lessons have you learned since then? Oh, man, so, so many. <laughs> uh, I don't even know where to start. One really important lesson I would say is taking care of your own health, because at that point, I was really not taking care of my own personal health in any way. I was fully devoting myself to my career and to YouTube and um, everything else came second. And that included my my own personal health, mental health, just everything. Um, I was staying up. Uh, every single night through the night, even when I had school the next morning, like an 8 a.m. or a 9 a.m. class, I would stay up all night, literally until I went to class and I would be completely hyped up on caffeine from coffee and Red Bull all night. And I would do this every single day. And uh, my sleep schedule was incredibly messed up. And that was definitely not healthy for me. And I would advise not to do that. <laughs> um, and I've definitely learned in the five years since then to take better care of myself and to discipline myself a lot better and uh, to set timetables and uh, to set time frames of when I work and when I have personal time. So that's one really big lesson, I would say. Another big lesson is just learning how to make better videos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how have you improved? What have you done to achieve that? Well, first off, I've uh, quit recording my audio directly next to a giant fan. Yeah, um, that, that, that will help a lot. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was one one good step. I took the uh, the proceeds that I was generating from YouTube to first off upgrade my microphone. And uh, I eventually just dedicated an entire sound booth. And my, my sound booth is still, it's been consistently the same for years. And it's very cheap. Uh, all I did is I just went to Home Depot and I bought some PVC pipes and uh, I assembled it with my dad. I just built a shell of PVC pipes it's just basically a box. It's about like, I don't know, six or seven feet high. And then I just bought some uh, some towels and then I put the towels over the PVC pipes. And that's literally all it is. <laughs> 
Yep. And uh, still real life lore having 4 million subscribers today. Uh, that's still how I record stuff. It's just in PVC pipes and towels, <laughs> but it works. Um, so, you know, I've, I've, I've learned a lot of a lot of steps on making better audio. I've learned a lot of better editing techniques. I've evolved from Windows Movie Maker and I'm uh, working on Adobe After Effects pretty much exclusively and Photoshop instead of Microsoft Paint, um, among other things. And uh, yeah, th those are definitely a lot of a uh, lot of things I've learned. What other projects apart from real life lore have you started or considering starting? What's the present for your multiple projects and what's the future that you aim for? Sure. So currently I have another YouTube channel. I just launched it at the very beginning of this year in 2021. It's called BioArk. And BioArk is essentially real life lore. It's the same kinds of videos, but it's all about animals. My most recent video there is I was talking about the logistics of making Noah's Ark work. And it's a 26 minute rant where I just start explaining how Noah could have possibly made the Ark work with the power of atomic bombs. So that's a fun one. <laughs> um, but that's been a really fun project. I'm also presently working on some uh, stuff for uh, this streaming site. You've maybe heard of it called Nebula. Ooh. Some of the stuff I'm working on there is uh, I'm working on a Nebula video right now about basically videos that I don't think could ever be monetized or work on YouTube, but that would be great for uh, for a site like Nebula. So those are kind of the two big projects I'm working on now. But there's been a lot of projects I've done in the past that just didn't really pan out for one reason or the other. And that, that's been over the course of the last five years. Any you can share? I, I'm just curious about the sort of thing that hasn't worked. Oh, of course. Yeah. So one, probably the biggest project that I worked on that didn't work out, it was with JT from Second Thought. And um, we started a channel called Grand Test Auto, and it was a channel where we drove and reviewed cars. I'm a huge car enthusiast, and so is JT, and uh, we thought this would work great, but uh, we kept it up for about two years. It was very expensive to run. The operating costs were always just too high, and we just never really got any traction uh, over two years. And so eventually we just kind of decided to, unfortunately, pull the plug on it. And I was really sad about that because uh, I really, really loved filming and driving really cool cars. It was, it was a lot of fun and uh, it was a really cool passion project, but uh, it just didn't financially really work out and make a lot of sense. So, yeah. Who would have thought that uh, videos about driving luxury cars will be expensive? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Since you mentioned JT, I'm actually curious. Do you have any insights as to what the heck happened where three people that found unlikely success in YouTube all came from like the same school? Like, do, do you think it's pure chance or is anything more to it? That is a really good question. And I've thought about that a lot because I think it's a fairly unique case. We, the three of us, all started our YouTube channels separately, independently, around the same time, at the very beginning of 2016. And none of us helped each other. None of us really supported each other. We all just ran our own things. We all talk about different things. If you know JT and Andrew, JT creates political content. Andrew creates uh, film essays. And then I create just a lot of geography stuff, pretty much. So they're all pretty different subjects. And yet... Today, uh, Real Life Lore has 4 million subscribers, uh, Second Thought has over 1 million, and Royal Ocean Film Society has about 300,000. So they're all independently successful, and um, 
all of us came from the same circle and the same school. Yeah, it's 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 weird. And I, I think when people hear that we didn't meet after we had our channels, we, we all knew each other for like a decade before we even started YouTube. So I, I don't really know what what the answer to that is, whether it's something with us or our school or the circle of friends that we knew or or something else. I, I don't really know. But but it is peculiar. Indeed, it is to close up. Considering that there might be a lot of people that they're actively finding inspiration in the format of real-life lore for future creation endeavors, if you could go back in time to yourself and give you one key piece of advice that will maybe make you better, faster, what would that key advice be? A few things. One is make content that you love and make content that you really care about and that you really are passionate about sharing. Because if you're making something that you're not passionate about, if you're just kind of pursuing something that you think is maybe popular, but you might not necessarily be into it yourself, when you're in the early days of starting that channel and making those videos, when the views aren't coming in and you're getting a little discouraged maybe, you might find that it's a lot harder to find the motivation for yourself to continue with it. Because if you're not into it and you're not liking it, then you're going to find reasons to stop doing it. If you're making videos about a subject material that you are very passionate about, then you already have the motivation. And if the views aren't coming in and uh, you're feeling discouraged from that, then you can still make content that you're passionate about. And you're going to be more motivated to keep doing it because you're interested in it. So I would advise that. I would also advise to stick to a schedule, find some kind of discipline regimen and stick to it. Creating videos every two weeks maybe every month, maybe every two months, uh, whatever your schedule allows you to. And also don't forget to live your life at the same time. So don't just completely throw yourself 100% into it. Just uh, take your time. There's no rush. And uh, just remember to live while you're at it also. Um, those would be probably my biggest pieces of advice. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for this. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. 